This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show <laughs> with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Is it really a good morning, Joe? Jazz fans are cranky. Um, I had a great morning with my kids. So There you go. Um, got up with Jack at 6 o'clock or whatever and hung out with him and just dropped Jacob to school and heading in now to uh, lift and get some treatment and then watch some film. Can you predict what kind of film you're going to be seeing? Do you know what Quinn, if you already run through the game in your mind, Quinn's going to want to talk about this and that and definitely that. Um, yeah, I've got a, I think eight years in with him, I've got a fair idea um, what, we'll, uh, what we'll be seeing and um, talking about or, or listening to more, probably more. Um, so, yeah, it'll be, I mean, it's not... I wouldn't say it's fun, but it's obviously it's obviously good to see it all. Um, it's good to see. It. It's good to talk about it. Um, we're not going to somehow like go back in time and get a win from last night. So we, we, we've got to move forward and obviously things to fix and things to work on and and um, yeah, keep getting better. I assume there'll be something about uh, defending the three-pointer. He was uh, he got to that pretty quickly in his post-game remarks. Too many open threes allowed. Yeah, I think um, I, like, like the, the obvious ones that stand out, like the, the couple that Matthews hit in transition. Um, I think as soon as he kind of subbed in, more or less, and um, gets him going a little bit, and then uh, I think for, for the kind of a, a middle patch of the game we did alright and then obviously towards the end Gordon hits a couple and um, I think Brooks the other kid might have hit one or two um, so it's obviously yeah I mean it's uh, like I said it's it's frustrating it's um, things that we can control we can, we can not lose sight of our man or know what our rotations are or, or what the coverage is um for either a certain player or um, obviously as a, as a team what we're, what we're, what we're trying to do out there obviously we we go out we we'll be going to every game with a, with a game plan and um, obviously the coaches spent a lot of time kind of digging into that to, to let us know what Matthews wants to do or, or whatever it is or, or what the sets are so um, it's obviously frustrating when you watch we watch a lot of film um Anyway, even when we're winning, we, we watch a lot of films. So um, to, to see it all and obviously talk about it, we had a shoot around. Um, and then obviously to, to still have breakdowns. And then I think in the the bigger picture, having multiple breakdowns in, 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 lot, in a, whatever you call it, a bigger stretch of games at the moment um, is obviously the, the frustrating part. And um, that's the part on the players. Like, obviously, Quinn isn't out there to 
whoever's scouted is, is it out there. So we've got to got to lock in and and and, and get it done. And um, there's no kind of showed multiple times this year when we when we are getting it done. We're we're a really good team. So um, it's almost like <laughs> get to the point where it's almost enough talk about it we we need to go out and do it before um yeah just yeah it's yeah gets frustrating can you personally draw lines connecting these last 10 games you've lost seven of the last 10 which is highly unusual in the time you've been with the team these last five years or so there haven't been many stretches like this can you draw kind of the string that connects these losses this is the trend this is what's what's uh sinking us here yeah, I mean, I know people don't want to hear like COVID, and it's not an excuse. But we we've had guys out, um, obviously, Rudy being a big chunk of that. Um, Rudy Gay was out. Uh, we've all we've all kind of missed games in this chunk, and no, by like by no means a an excuse or a, or a reason we've we've been. I mean, you look at Rudy Gobert. We've played over the last five years. He's missed. I think someone uh, saw it like four or five games in five years of like give or take whatever that is so um, not only not having him but then not having Hassan for a couple um, and obviously not playing with a centre is, is different I, I've never not played with a centre eight years of being here so um, but on the flip side of that again like not using that as an excuse we've also done a really good job in my eight years here of that next man stepping up, whoever that might be, regardless of who it is, and, and we've been pretty effective in, in stretches. Like you said, I don't, I couldn't remember, or, or even if we have had a time that we've lost seven out of ten in the last few years. So, um, yeah, it's just frustrating. There's obviously a, a lot of breakdowns. You can look at the offensive side of, of there is has been games we haven't shot well, but again, we've for, for Years and years now, we've we've relied on the defensive end, and obviously, the guards from a, from a guards point of view, staying in front of our man and, and competing, and, and again knowing the scout individually and, and as, as a team, and then um, again with with the scout, where the big's helping, where Rudy's helping, where he's not, where where we are, um, not on our own, but we we can't obviously just rely on Rudy to, to block a shot every single time, so. Um, yeah, there's, there's definitely, obviously the defensive end has been um, concerning, frustrating, whatever you want to call it. Offense, uh, I think maybe sometimes if we are making shots, it, it probably covers it up a little bit because we are still putting points on the board. Um, but when we're not shooting as well, I mean, Quint said it a million times in the past, when we're not playing as well offensively we've got to rely even more and it puts a bit more pressure defensively on our on our team and we've yeah the, the moments we've got to step up that's what it is in the playoffs when when teams know every offense or every offensive set you're trying to run you've got to be um you've got to execute and then if, if you're not or not making shots or not being able to get the same looks because it, it's obviously a, a lot more scouted um You've got to rely on the defensive end, and, and, and we haven't been able to do that. We've been giving up transition. That was a, a big thing early on, and we, we did a really good job of getting that back to, I think we were ranked last a month ago or something, and we've, we've got that number a lot better as a team. But then obviously other things, staying in front of guys, 
rotations, whatever the whatever it looks like. But we've obviously, like I said, we've got to be a lot better. There are plenty of Jazz fans who've hit us up on social media who say the team's playing tight. Ainge is sitting over there masked up, looking like some kind of movie villain because COVID <laughs> requires everyone to wear a mask. And, you know, he's the new CEO and people don't have personal relationships with him because he hasn't been around the club for years like other people have. And so can you address that? To what degree do you think the trade deadline and, and the new masked CEO is weighing on guys? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> we'll ask him if he can get a special request to not wear a mask. Um, <laughs> No, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's. I mean, I, every time I open my phone, there's a text or something from someone saying this rumor or that rumor or, or someone on social media saying something like, we've had, <laughs> we've had people text us, like, saying goodbye, saying they read a rumor and they thought it was true and, like, we've loved having you and good luck at, like, in your next step. And so, for, I mean, I can't obviously speak for, for other guys too much. I mean, for me, it's been in my face for the last. I don't know, a couple of weeks here, a few weeks, whatever it's been. Um, I don't know how long is left of it until <laughs> until we until everybody has answers, I guess, to a to a certain extent. But um, I, I mean, obviously, that stuff is is out of our control. Or well, what's in our control is playing the best we can. Um, obviously, doing doing what I was talking about on the on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, the, they're the things we can go in and go in now obviously and get to work in and, and prepare and, and get ready for the next game and watch film and do all that. I can't control what Danny Ainge is thinking or what Ron Smith's thinking or Zanuck's thinking. Um, I I could sit there and think about it 24-7, which at times you do. Like, there's no, no question. Um, it pops in your head and, and obviously from my point of view with, with a family and kids in school, there's, there's a lot going on, but um, also, at the end of that, on the flip side of that, like, what am I going to do? Like, <laughs> unless one of those three people come up and tell me something, I'm not going to know anything. So, um, that's where obviously your, your agent and, and those guys have conversations, whether they go back and forth or, or it's, I don't know. I, I guess the other part for me is I've never really been, or my name probably this this heavily in, in anything like this. So yeah. You kind of just sit back and, again, like, what are you going to do about it? Like, I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy my time. I'm going to, I'm going to play as, as hard as I can. I'm going to do my best out there. And um, if that, in whatever it is now, two or three weeks' time, is me getting traded, then that's what it is. If it's not, then I'll continue to to, to play for the Jazz and, and do what I can to, to obviously, with the ultimate goal is is to win a championship. So. Um, uh, yeah, like I said, I don't, I don't know how other guys are feeling or thinking or whether Danny's sitting there is <laughs> frustrating for them or not. Um, but again, obviously, it's like I said, that, that stuff is out of our control and what we can control is what we do on the floor. And um, yeah, like I said, we need to be a lot better on the floor. Well, since DJ's first commandment of Joe Ingles' basketball interviews has already been broken, I knew I'd have to work harder and do some digging today. My first commandment is thou shalt win the night before the game so we can screw around and have more fun. Coming in off a loss is never as much fun. But I think we've addressed the major issues there, and I thought, what is something I could bring up that would be relevant yet unexpected for Joe? Now, Here we go. Yeah, right, exactly. Here we go. Saddle up. We ride. 
of all the names that you would expect me to bring up today, I don't think you'd expect me to bring up Andrew Gaze. Andrew Gaze. Right. Uh, and for people who don't know, he is an Australian basketball legend. Am I right? It would, if I called him the godfather of Australian basketball, would that be too big a reach? Uh, no, not with what he looks like either. He looks like a great, great, great godfather. <laughs> he looks, he looks like a, he looks like a wizard out of one of those Lord of the Rings movies, right? He's gone gray. He's the old yeah, man. But he's had, he's had gray hair since he was at Seen the Hall when he was <laughs> right. twenty-one or whatever, twenty-two. Yeah. So. He was one of the first Australians to come over, college ball, I think he was the first, and, and play at a high level. Seton Hall was in Final Fours, and it was, uh, you know, it, it was a great run. So I'm thinking that between the time he played here, and if I had talked to him then and said, there'll be another generation of players, and you're about 20, 25 years ballpark younger than him, so you're a full generation younger than him, I said, there'll be a lot of Australians in the league, and they'll be shooting 43-pointers in a game, and there'll be a guy from Australia who year in and year out is you know, top three, top five, top ten. That probably would have blown his mind. And I'm wondering how much it blows your mind when you see someone like Garrison Matthews pull up and shoot some of the catch-and-shoot threes he shoots. He's not of the stature of, you know, Steph Curry or Damian Lillard who can shoot whatever they want whenever they feel like it, and they're good enough and it goes in and they're the franchise guy. Garrison's more of a a role guy, but this is his role and it's valuable. And I just think that even if you think that shot is a long way, I'm wondering if the next generation of Australian kids is just going to be launching those. That the 12- and 15-year-olds out there who are watching Joe Ingles shoot threes and see Garrison Matthews shoot threes, if this isn't where the game is going. Because doesn't he make it a lot harder to defend the floor? Either you give up a shot to him or you're so far away, it's really hard to help and play team defense. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, that's what the game is dead, and, and we can all probably thank Steph for it. Uh, <laughs> he's changed the, the game, and it's... Um, I mean, I think... And watching the, the big guys battle down there, but, I mean, to to throw the ball actually in the post now and watch someone go to work is, is probably a handful of players in that game. Um, I mean, like I said, Steph, what he did. I mean, he's he's obviously changed. Like we, every basically every team. I think we were one of the last with when we played Fave and Rudy together. But apart from that, like, not many teams are playing two bigs. Everyone plays basically four guards. Any two three man is now a four man. Um, all the positions have kind of bumped up a little bit. You play two point guards and. Um, yeah, it's just. Uh, I mean, it's it's very different. I mean, it like you said, Matthews comes in last night and the first two in transition. I mean, it's not like he ran to the three point line and shot him. He caught him like a couple steps over the half and zero hesitation. And and obviously, I think he made the first two right away pretty quickly. And um, obviously, as a as the opposing team, you, you don't want that as the whole. Um, the whole point that you're trying to avoid and, and obviously like I said knowing the scout and knowing what like you said like what he's obviously from Houston's point of view got a green light to do that um, I think he was one of the guys that was on a, either a 10 day or a two way or, or came into training camp and he 
or maybe it was when they had the COVID or whatever happened and he ended up signing a three-year deal or something pretty recently. So his confidence is obviously at an all-time high right now as well and, and he's got that green light. They, they, they know subbing in the game, his teammates, his coaching staff, they all know that that's what he's out there to do. He's going to run the floor and he's going to pull up from wherever he is. <laughs> um, and if he makes shots, he's going to finish the game like he did last night. And if he doesn't, he's probably sitting on the bench. And they're the things, like I was saying earlier to our first or second question, whatever lately, they're obviously the frustrating parts because we know, I mean, you know going into a game that he can be pretty impactful, but if we're, we're locked in on it and he doesn't get those first two or maybe we can test him a bit better or whatever that looks like, he probably he probably misses them and he probably doesn't see the floor again and then they're playing someone who's not as dangerous from the three or whatever that looks like in terms of what their rotation is. Um, but, like, yeah, I mean, going back to kind of the quote, like it's, it's a very different game. Um, I almost, like, you kind of sit there at times and, and wonder if it ever will go back to playing bigs again or two bigs or how much we throw it in the post, whether that becomes more and more or, or it stays the same. Like it's, it's, I, I couldn't really see it going back to, to playing two bigs again. Cause even, I mean, you look at some of the fives now and even some of the fives that are out there, like Sabonis and I mean, there's, only, there's a hand, but these guys are shooting, mm-hmm. shooting threes as well. So a lot of the times out there, there's five guys that can be um, reasonably dangerous from the three-point line, which is just so different. So, um, yeah, I didn't expect you to bring up Andrew Gaze, but um, <laughs> hopefully the hopefully the next generation. I mean, even when he was in the NBA, he went to Seton Hall and went back, and then I think he was at – I'm not sure if he played. I think he was San Antonio for a little bit. and um, Yeah, Washington. Yeah, he just – Washington, yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully the, the next generation of Australian kids. I think, I mean, when I first started watching and, and kind of getting to that age, Andrew Bogut was kind of the one that was over here. And obviously being number one pick kind of opens up a few doors. And then you get the Delis and Paddy Mills who are undrafted second-round picks um, who, who make pretty big impacts and win championships. And then you get that next kind of tier of young guys of, um, the, the Dantes and Ben Simmons and um, Josh Greens and Matisse Thibault and all this that kind of the younger obviously a fair bit younger than, than me and Paddy and that group and um, exciting to see what they do so hopefully for, for us we've got some more guys coming through there's Kid in the G League who's playing really well we, we've got we've got some really good young guys so I think um, it's definitely cool for me to to, to know Andrew Gaze and Shane Heal and these guys that, that played before me and then obviously um, seeing the uh, me being, I guess, the, the older guy now and seeing the next generation and trying to help them in whatever way I can to um, make sure they can, can get to the NBA and, and continue a, a dream or, or chase a dream that they've they've had for a long time. Well, Joe, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming off. Bad times don't last. Bad people do No, wait, that's not the cliche, is it? <laughs> I don't know what the cliche is. Tough times don't last, but tough people do. That's the cliche. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, it, it is frustrating, and, and we've shown at times that we can be really good, and we've shown at times we can be really 
S H I T T Y. So <laughs> we uh we, we need to get back to who, who we are and who we can be and um again that goes back I said it in media lot like everyone go look in the mirror and, and figure out what you can do to help this team be better and win games and um uh, I think we can get back there. Um hopefully quickly and and keep pushing forward and, and obviously by the end of the year be in a position that we want to be in and, and be playing well and um, that's obviously the goal then to, to push into playoffs as far as we can. Joe, we appreciate it as always. Thanks for joining us and uh, good luck next week. Warriors, Suns and Suns. Wow. Good times, right? Right? Good times. And then Memphis, Minnesota, I think, after that as well. Look at you. You never know the schedule. Very good, John. No, I, I actually looked at it uh, this morning when it's on my fridge, and I was getting something for Jack out of the fridge, and I was like, let me have a look at this. Um, but again, like, not to drag on, you probably got David Locke to talk to because he's so proud of his thousandth show he did last night. But uh, That's tomorrow. Um, shout out to Locke, too. I do, I do like Locke. Um, but, I mean, it's like it, the schedule is what it is, but it's, I mean, what better time to, to really put our team to the test and, and I mean, if we're not going to lock in and, and be good against Houston and I think we've got Detroit on Friday and say, all right, well, you're about to get punched in the face a couple more times, so you've got to mm-hmm. be ready. And, and if we're not ready, it'll it'll quite clearly show against these next few teams. So, um, yeah, we, we've got to be ready to go. So here's here's a note you can share with your teammates, and this is a reason to be encouraged going into that stretch. You guys are three and seven since the start of 2022, but you're two and zero oh against the Nuggets, and you're one and seven against everybody else. The Nuggets are good. Nice. You know their guys. You know Jokic is wildly talented. You feel challenged. I think you're more focused. I think you're motivated. You had that awesome playoff series with them in the bu- in the bubble that came down to the final shot of the final game in the final second. And so I think you bring it against those guys. I think that's why you're 2-0 against them because they're clearly, no offense intended, but they are clearly much better than Houston and Detroit. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, right now they all feel pretty good the way, <laughs> the way we've played, obviously. But yeah. um, no, I mean, we've... Well, I mean, in in the past, we've we've I wouldn't say had issues, but we've we've been a bit more lackadaisical against teams we're supposed to win, quote unquote, yeah. and um, bring it against teams that were better than us three, four years ago, or, or ranked higher than us now, or whatever that looks like. So, um, yeah, I mean, we like I said, I, I said it in the media last night, but we we're not going to just walk in and beat any team in this league and. Um, I think that's quite clearly shown recently. Um, there's there's different like do we shoot better? Do we defend better? Whatever that looks like, but we need to be better all around. And every one of us from from one to seventeen or whatever, however many players we have these days, um, and a couple of ten days and <laughs> whatever else. So um, we need to be better, and, and we know that. And everyone will be in here today, and we'll we'll get better, and we'll get ready for tomorrow. Joe, we appreciate the time. When the three-pointers show up in the video session, just raise your hand and tell Quinn, DJ knew this was coming. <laughs> I will. I'll let him know. Okay. Thanks, I'm Joe. I'm definitely not going to do that. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> that'd be bad. Now's not the time. The mood's not right. Thanks, Joe. All right, there you go. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Yuck! In the middle of all that, did you get fantastic news for Jazz fans? I did. Do you have two tickets to see the Jazz play tomorrow night? I do. Would you like to give them away right 
now. Let's do it. Surprise! Normally, normally, we'd be teasing that all, you know, for an hour or whatever. But, hey, right now, two tickets. Jazz, Pistons, Friday night out. Date night! If you want to win, be caller 12 right now. Are people already calling? I haven't even given out the number yet. Nope. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Call right now. Two tickets. See the Jazz and the Pistons tomorrow night. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. Are they a good team? Absolutely. Are they a team that's going to be a top four team in the West? Absolutely. Are they a team that I expect to win a series or two in the NBA playoffs? Absolutely. Is this a team that I have any level of expectations to challenge for an NBA title right now? No, I do not. Not to say that this team is currently constituted can't get there, but I think that if they are going to challenge for a title, then they're going to have to do something at trade deadline to find a piece or two to get them over the top. I can still see the Jazz post-All-Star break. I can see this team going on a 9, 10, 12-game winning streak. I could still see this team as a Western Conference Finals team. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. College Hoops. Here come the L.A. teams, PK. USC and UCLA coming to town, nationally ranked. We were looking forward to this. Pac-12 basketball, the youth were going to get to play these teams who wouldn't play home-and-home with them when they were in the WAC and in the Mountain West in their glory years. I don't even know they let them play if they went down there. uh, I think Utah got to go play USC once. Because SC sucked. Right, (laughs) right. Nobody was coming here, and UCLA didn't want to play them. Now, SC and UCLA have it going, and the Utes are in the same league, but the Utes do not have it going, so it doesn't feel like a big deal because the outcome feels like a foregone conclusion. Maybe we'll all be stunned, but that's what we'll be. We'll all be stunned, and there will be no one who's saying, oh, yeah, I called it. Everyone will be stunned. If you're caught up in the final result, and that matters to you utmost, then if you're a Ute fan, you're going to be disappointed because they're most likely going to lose, right? They don't have an abundance of talent, and Carlson, who's been an emerging player, has been out. And so I don't know when he's coming back. With that in mind, sure. But I think that, you know, Mick Cronin made a statement, the the, uh, Bruins coach. And I can see where he's frustrated. Is that that, because I watched some of those games, and there's nobody in the stands. They had a smattering of family. You know, in a 12,000-seat arena, a smattering of families, it's like a practice, basically. And there's no atmosphere. And he has frustration. He turns on the Ram game, and it's, it's sold all out. And you go packed. to the Laker game the same night. Packed. Uh, and it's packed. And why are the colleges having no fans when you're having this, you know, a playoff game and places going berserk because they're winning and they dominate the Cardinals, right? So I get where he's going, and he's talking about you know, it's gonna, it's going to be good for the kids to come out of the tunnel and see fans in the stands. Well, and then and then the jokes on him. Well, the Utes aren't drawing. I talked to Jay Drew. He covers the uh, Utah basketball for the Deseret News. I said, what's going on there in the stadium or the arena? And he said, well, they've been listing seven, but best I can tell, it's no more than 4,000. And so obviously, the attendance has dropped off significantly, and we can all recite the times when it was the place to be on a Thursday, Saturday, when they were playing New Mexico or BYU or whatever it was. And we know that the, the place can rock. And, and I think that for Utah's development's sake, I think they didn't really need you then. There were plenty of you then. Now they need you. 
because fans in the stands matter to youngsters. And it may even matter more in basketball than football. And probably, I don't know that I can necessarily make that argument. But the fans in basketball, they're obviously much closer to you and the noise generated and whatnot. And when you look up there, kids want to go where it matters. So I would petition all Ute fans, and I'm not telling them how to spend their money, even if they have the money, but if you've got it, and now's the time to support the team, because I think you're going to have a real tangible effect in recruiting. And when you got the Bruins coming out, it's a 9 o'clock start on a weekday, so that's not very nice. That's that's, <laughs> that's not, not – when not, the game should be ending, it's starting. Yeah. You know, I'm surprised they're doing that. I realize it's 8 o'clock in California. But they didn't do the Utah program in terms of attendance any favors here on this one. But I think overall, stepping back, they need your support now. And I can remember when uh, was uh, when they first went in the league, and I think it was the first year that they had the tournament in uh, Vegas. And I've told this story before. I go in to check in to get my credentials, and it was a little room off to the side, and I'm speaking to some packed and people that I had known for a good long while. And Utah was down. We remember that with Larry's teams. They were really down, down more down than they are now. And so he had an incredible rebuilding job, and they were talking about how they felt like, okay, Utah will be back because kids want to play where it matters, and it matters in Utah. So they need to find a way to get some more fans out there and then have it grow together meaning the talent of the team grows as the attendance grows. Because it, it matters, and you're going to see a good team tonight. Bruins went to the Final Four last year and returned uh, a bunch of people. Plus, you can see the Bob Marley lookalike play point guard for them. It's just hard for me, and you know, PK, you're telling me to stop living in the past, and i got to stop living in the past. It's hard to believe that ninth-ranked UCLA coming to town isn't a bigger deal, but it not only isn't a big deal, Except for the Bob Marley lookalike, it isn't a deal at all, is it? <laughs> I mean, it isn't a deal at all. There aren't Ute fans telling us, you guys hate us, you should be covering us more. It's not a deal to them. And they'll do that at the drop of a hat. We were literally doing almost every segment on the Utes and the Rose Bowl, and there was some, you know, the Jazz were playing, so we'd go away. Going away to the Jazz for a segment irritated Ute fans. And irritated is <clears throat> just a nice radio word. <laughs> they were bleeping pissed. <laughs> uh, sure, but I, I think it's really important to show your interest. I mean, you're just going to be a front runner. Is that who you want to be? Do you want to? I mean, you can be like me, right? I'm a casual fan. In the best of times, I'm a casual fan. In the worst of times, I'm a casual fan. I follow them, but I don't live and die. So I'm consistent. And I think that for Utah basketball, it has the potential to get back. It's not like this is going to be something that where they're going to be forever and ever by any stretch. You get a couple guys in there, and if Larry Kostobiak can do it, and he did a marvelous job, Steve Cleveland did a marvelous job, I think you guys, I think uh, Craig Smith can do it too, right? There's a track record of him having success. I think there was a track record of him having success, I can argue, more than Cleveland and Kostobiak at the collegiate level. And so he comes in here, and he needs you now. So even if it's not the best, just throw your support behind it if you can, because I believe that has a direct correlation to the amount of recruits you get, the excitement of the program. And he, it's up to him. He's got to get better players, and they've got to get better. It's going to be a process. But as I look at it, I really see no reason why they don't get there and be in the top half 
top three in a conference. I think it's extremely doable. I think one of the things about this UCLA game, as you mentioned, it's a 9 o'clock game mountain time. And it's a little bit like playing the 8.30 football games. How much in the new TV deal can they minimize this kind of stuff? And it's on FS1 tonight, and I get they want a game at 8 o'clock. You can say it's too late, but the fact is, if you lived in California, Oregon, or Washington, I guess Nevada for that matter, um, but if you're in that Pacific time zone, an 8 o'clock game in prime time is a sweet spot. And it isn't the best thing nationally, and it certainly isn't the best thing in the mountain time zone, but it's great in the Pacific time zone. And they need these football games at 7.30 in prime time. And while a lot of schools do play in the afternoon, and it's meant to be playing in the afternoon, and if you're at Washington State or Oregon State, you absolutely want afternoon games. Probably other places, too. Probably Oregon has a lot of people coming down from Portland. And you want those afternoon games so people can get back, and it doesn't have to be an overnight deal. There are plenty of schools that play tonight. The Arizona schools did. The L.A. schools, like Utah, did sometimes in the year, but not all year long. Um, I grew up in San Diego State, and I think Fresno State, they both played a bunch of night games. So how much can they tweak this, and how much will the TV partners work with them? And you don't get everything you want because the TV partners aren't going to give up everything. But I just wonder how much this can be tweaked a little bit. I don't think it's an issue in basketball. I don't think it needs to be tweaked. You don't think 9, 9 p.m. home games are They don't a have that many of them. I mean, it's, it's not like it's an epidemic. In football, it's an epidemic. If you've got six home games, you can probably plan on three or four of them. So the percentage is way high. Basketball, now, and basketball is only a two-hour game as opposed to three and a half, sometimes four hours. So I don't, I, I think that's almost exclusively a football issue. And, and basketball, uh, you, you, can, you can live with that. If it's the occasional, because it's just not that money, and then you know, and then then plus, if you do it on a Saturday, it it alleviates potentially you know having to get up at six o'clock in the morning. Some people probably still do on a Sunday, but most of the folks wouldn't have to. So no, I don't view it as a basketball problem at all. I mean, I was in the Huntsman Center for ten o'clock games. Oh, those were terrible. I hated those big Monday games. Well. Yeah, try having to write on a newspaper deadline. I know. Uh, which I don't know that it exists to that level anymore, but it did then. But the point I'm making is that they had enough fans in the stands. And then try having it when Dominic Young hits a three pointer at the buzzer. <laughs> you gotta rewrite everything. <laughs> oh, this isn't this isn't about Utah winning anymore, is it? No. And that guy's laying on Jerry Tarkanian. I'm gonna have to mention that. Yes, and I'm sitting right next to Tark because that's where they used to sit us, and all my friends back in California who were watching the game were laughing. Because <laughs> there you are. Because <laughs> they knew I was in total panic that everything I had written, I basically had... Out the window. Lead. Yeah, because he hits a three at the buzzer. So they still had fans then, and that was far worse. It, it, they'll come if the team is good. If the team wins. If you win big, they yeah. won big. If they were a nationally ranked team, they'd have 10,000 people there tonight. So good enough. I want 15. Got to get to 10 before you get to 15. Well, yeah, I just throw that out there as uh, a number. They probably would have more. Because I, I know the Utah fans are there for basketball. I, 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 mean, I have no doubt in my mind. This is still – I don't want to say it's a basketball school because obviously football has made tremendous strides. Yeah. But it can compete. You look at BYU, right? They're putting in tons of people. They're, they're, up, they're putting in 15,000. Anything less really is a substandard crowd. And I, and I get it, a lot more students are on campus and all that stuff. And, but still, 
there's a lot more people up here than there. And what's the difference if you're a 45-year-old fan? Your money's just as good, and probably it's more because you're paying more. So the fans are there. Uh, get through this. Get a little bit better. Keep getting better. Compete. You know, that's the thing I want to see tonight for these guys. I want to see them compete. Give a game to this nationally ranked opponent. You know, don't be down 20, uh, 15 minutes into the game. I wonder if Lincoln Riley is uh, is Mick Cronin. You know, he was hired, UCLA, man, it had been a long decade since uh, Ben Howland took him to the three Final Fours in a row. And UCLA craved getting back to that level, and the league is better when UCLA basketball is back at that level. And that's where Cronin seems to be taking him. He just took him to a Final Four. He's got him ranked in the top ten again, and that feels great. And I wonder if... If Lincoln Riley can hit, because there's another coach coming in trying to get a brand name back to, if not the top of the heap, at least close to it. Well, I think it's harder football numbers. And I don't think the Bruin program was down that much. Expectations are very high. So it had been a decade. So they've got four Final Four appearances in a decade. That's pretty good. (laughs) So I I, I think, yeah, sure. He, He had success at Cincinnati in his first year was a smashing success. I'll give him that. But I don't think he had heavy, heavy lifting to do. And Lincoln Riley, I don't think he has heavy lifting to do either. I think he's got lifting, but I don't think he's got heavy lifting. Certainly not Jed Fish in Arizona. That's not an expression you hear very often. He has lifting to do. It's always heavy lifting. You love words that have to go together. The ominous clouds? (laughs) Clouds have to be ominous. (laughs) Yeah, I think he. I don't think he has heavy lifting to do. I don't think it's a total rebuild because I think that, and we had talked about this, that their program was in a much better state. Their talent level wasn't matching their win total, and now they've got the stuff in place. An AD who's not an ex-player, he's an AD, and he hires. He makes the splashiest hire. The Pac-12 has made. Ever? Ever, maybe? Ever? Literally ever. Ever? Yeah. You might be onto something there. I'm thinking of the coaches who won big in the Pac-12. Is there someone who's a big splash who didn't? Uh, man, is Herm going to go near the top? That's got to be recent. No, it's bias, Chip Kelly. Right? Yeah, Chip Kelly back to UCLA. Yeah. And maybe was, he's doing it was a, a long, splash. Slow, long, slow rebuild. Four years in, he's up to eight wins. Yeah, by the time I'm ready to die, he, <laughs> he could be may be 10. playing in New Year's Six. <laughs> uh, because a lot of the coaches, like Pete Carroll was, uh, I mean, he's a former NFL guy, but he wasn't the first choice. He wasn't the second choice. Um, a lot of the coaches were promoted. Chip Kelly at Oregon was promoted back in the day. John Robinson at SC was promoted. These guys who you know played for national titles or won national titles. I would go Chris Peterson, too. Chris Peterson was pretty splashy. Don James was not. Another guy who won a national yeah. title. I, mean, I was saying Pac-12. You're going back to the entire I am going back to Pac-10, but I'm trying to find guys who, you know, play for or win a national title. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they did, but Bill Walsh was a big name at Stanford. Yeah. Not the first time when he had more success, but a big he was splashy but not successful the second time. Right. But there, I, don't, I really don't think there's anybody who compares with Lincoln Riley. I think you're right. Yeah. The splashiest of splashes. Yeah. Chip, and Chip Kelly, you know, 
Herm had been an NFL guy, and Chip Kelly had played for a national championship. I don't think Herm was a, if Herm was a splash, it was because what the heck are you doing? <laughs> a little bit of that. I think that's it was a negative splash. splash. Uh, and he's been okay. Yeah. It's not like they've been uh, an abomination, but they haven't really done anything that they haven't done for many years. He's been okay, and he cheated a little bit, so people are going to be upset with that. Uh, uh, to me, that's overblown because uh, everybody's cheating. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Got to take a break. More in a moment right here on The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it is time now for the feedback of the day. Brought to you by Thrive Appliance. Every day is like a holiday sale at Thrive Appliance. Save 40 to 70% off name brand appliances. Thrive is receiving truckloads of new inventory every day. Visit thriveappliance.com to shop their updated inventory. The Jazz have lost seven of their last ten, and a lot of you are pretty <laughs> about it. Upset. A Koopman. Or AK Uteman. Alaska Uteman, maybe? Uh, this team has given up, and they have no desire to improve. Absolute garbage team at this point. Okay. They're still the fourth best team in the NBA by record. So we can't go that far. They've given up, and they have no desire to improve. Yeah, I'm not buying that. I will say they're frustrated and they don't have answers. And they should have been able to come up with answers in that Houston game, even after Houston made the 15-0 run and they couldn't do it. If that looks like giving up to you, I don't think he's giving up. I think if a player gives up, Royce O'Neal doesn't have 15 rebounds if he gives up. So I don't think they've given up. They didn't have the answers, but I don't think they've given up. Greg says, uh, is it that the majority of Jazz players won't or can't play defense? Need a shakeup for sure. Uh, I would go more towards can't than won't. Everybody wants to win. And in the biggest games, I think that's the thing we see in the NBA playoffs. Guys really are willing to play defense then at a level they aren't willing to do in the regular season. And that's not a Jazz thing. That's a league-wide thing year after year. Can't. Are the Jazz just not good enough defensively? Is their margin for error so tiny and are there some matchups that give them such a problem? Yeah, I think you're onto something there. And that's why everyone's waiting for a trade, thinking they're going to do something. But they'll give up something at the offensive end, because what they have are really skilled players. And that's why they got the league's best offense for long stretches of the season. Creighton, here come the same answers we hear after every loss. Players and coaches sound like a broken record. Less talk, more action, please. Big picture, I agree with you, Creighton. But shorter picture, they got to do post-game interviews. And when they lost again, well, what else do you expect? But you're right, it does sound like a broken record, and everybody wants wins now, not losses. Not debatable there. All right, Yach, how about one more pair of tickets right now as we head out the door? 855-340-ZONE. Two tickets to see the Jazz and the Pistons tomorrow night. Call 855-340-ZONE right now. And Jake and Ben will have more tickets to give away during their show next, right here on the Zone Sports Network.